0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Season 1 of the TV version of Building the Future is now streaming online at buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Jose Lopez, co-founder and CEO of OnePay. Jose, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, how's it going, Kevin?
0: Uh good man. I'm I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing is is really interesting and and kind of fascinating to me. But maybe before we kind of get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and kind of cover your background. Maybe we'll start off with where you grew up.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, that's an interesting story. Uh, I was born originally in Monterrey, Mexico, so that's basically three hours south from Laredo, sure. Texas. Okay, sure. Uh, was born and raised there. You know, learned to speak English there, and then just happened to come to the states by chance, and ended up teaming up with a couple of folks here, and you know started working with OnePay, and here we are. So it's been an exciting, exciting journey, and sure. a lot has happened. But it's a decision that uh, I never regret and I don't think I'll ever regret in my life.
0: Sure well but but you do have so, like an impressive kind of educational background like you've been to University of Texas, you've been to Stanford um, what what did you kind of take in in university?
1: Mm, that's an interesting story. Uh, so back to how I got here I think I'll, I'll tell you a whole story of how I got here and then sure that's awesome UT and then and then Stanford and, and then everything from that. So there's this type of linear sort of like education that you'd take in Mexico. You go to a high school and then a high school has a college. So you're basically guaranteed a spot at their college and you usually take that linear procession and then graduate and then you get a job. Okay. Um, whenever I graduated from high school, I got in and enrolled as a chemical engineer okay
0: i didn't really like
1: it yeah it's, and i will we'll go through a couple of these so, so that's the interesting part i came in as a chemical engineer then i found out that it was not a great fit it was i was not liking the way they they thought there and i did not feel comfortable at that time security was a big issue in mexico sure so my father said hey look for opportunities out there and after doing you know some due diligence i decided i wanted to apply to UT and a handful of others. In the end, I only end up, ended up applying to UT. That was my only choice. Okay. Uh, so it was basically a one-shot. Uh, fortunately, after much drama, because some of my friends that applied with me did not get accepted, and I was sort of like the last guy to check the application status, I finally got in. Wow, that's uh, so awesome. So I got in. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was a cool feeling sort of like Hearing those guys saying, "Hey, man, I didn't get in," and one of them had better grades than I than I did at the time, so I immediately thought, "Hey, bummer, I'm, I didn't get in. Let's see what's next." But you know, whenever I got that email, great feeling. I I can still remember jumping jumping up and down in my in my kitchen. Right? Sure, uh, that's awesome, though. But yeah, but interesting thing, I got in as a computer science major, okay. uh, which was one of my hobbies whenever I was back in Mexico. Uh, after a couple of my, uh, semesters, basically my at the end of my sophomore year, I decided and, that, it was, that I wanted to explore more of the business economics side of things, uh, that I did not see myself sort of like in the labor force as a computer science major. Uh, that was sort of like an existential sort of like moment that I had there. Okay. And I that's when I switched off to economics with a double degree in economics and political science. I did a brief stint in Washington where I worked for ba- Bank for America and then the public sector. Then basically came back to Austin. Uh, and, you know, keep in mind that during this time I was still actively, you know, programming. I was still sort of like doing that on the side. So I was still getting that, getting those things going on. Sure. And during the transition between junior and senior year, that's where one sort of like started. Started getting, getting that, traction getting those getting built basically, so i I graduated from UT decided to, to stay with one pay for for a while, then we got accepted into Stanford as fellows uh, where we basically specialized in driving excellence through innovation basically okay. and that and it's uh, it, it was a very interesting process it was it was last year and it was for a period of you know the fall semester and and it was a, a great experience i mean being able to be there and and soaking in all this information power to san francisco That's sure. the ecosystem itself just breeds you know startup and breeds you know innovation and learning to spot you know efficiencies not only in how to scale a company but in how to lead day by day you know Interesting Organizations and by day by day operations, you can make a difference. And I'll give sure. you a quick example that sure. I that I always love to give. You've probably seen that sometimes you get like free coffee, but you either can leave a tip or or just grab a free coffee and, and you know go your merry way. Sure. There's a study that they did uh, by this very pro- famous professor, Professor Sutton in and, and Stanford, that they saw that if they put. Uh, sort of like an art picture behind the coffee table with the free coffee and the tip that was of, you know, butterflies. You know, people, you know, 20% would give tip. uh, it not give tip. But so if they change that art to put a picture of eyes, the amount of people that tipped increased by 70%. Wow. Because those are small details that people notice because people start feeling watched. You right. know, and that... That's very interesting, I mean those subtle clues and subtle changes that you can adapt to sort of like drive behavior was just fascinating and learning to apply those was was definitely a, a pro in in helping us scale you know one face so definitely a great experience and, uh, and one of the one of the most cherished ones I have sure
0: well and i I think you bring up an interesting point right because in a lot of cases, being in a startup is a lot of trial and error, right? And you see what works and what doesn't work. And in this case, they're swapping art. But, you know, if you're building software or something, like you're constantly trying um, different interfaces or different landing pages or different workflows. Yep. And, and it's the same kind of thing, right? And you see what works and what doesn't work. Or what works exactly. better, yep. right? In, in some cases, and it's all about A-B testing and stuff like that. And I, yep. I love, I love that, right? And I, I think that's, that's really fascinating. So let's kind of maybe get into what exactly is one pay.
1: Perfect. Yeah. I mean just just a quick note about what you said. I, I believe that's that's what it is. You have to have your metrics and you have to iterate quickly according to, to what those metrics and what the feedback says. Sure. And it's not how you're gonna say you know in the same spot. Uh, moving into one pay. No, OnePay is a financial platform that reduces monthly bill paying into a single payment. Okay, and then goes and finds saving opportunities for you by doing competitive shopping based on your plan and your usage. In a yeah, simple cool. way, you pay one bill and you save money. Simple as that.
0: Very cool. So, how did you? How did the idea kind of come to be?
1: it was it's been it's been a, an idea that's been iterated okay a couple of times and it all started you know back like i said when i was in, in between my transition between junior and senior year both david and i david dewey which is uh, the other co-founder sure we started seeing this problem and and noticing more and more problems okay. uh, problems surrounding the bill paying experience much like Whenever you're in crutches, you notice everyone else that's in crutches and everyone sort of like starts popping up. This is the same, sort of like the same feeling. Sure. Once we spotted that problem, we started seeing everyone that was suffering with it. And, and we saw that there were uh, two fundamental factors that were very important. One, there was a huge, huge gap between getting reminded and actually doing. Now, those people that were reminded about, hey, you had to pay your bill today, uh, they would see it on their smartphone and say, perfect, I'll do it later tonight. And they sure. would forget, thus incurring a late fee, and that le- that leads to ooh, American bill payers paying 36 uh, percent of the time a late fee. That's a very high number. Uh, the second problem that we spotted was, and this leads a little bit more into a sort of like the lack of proper financial management, not because we don't want to, but because still paying is tedious.
0: Sure. But
1: we also spotted that people were overpaying for what they were actually using. Interesting. Uh, they were paying, you know, more data. They were paying more channels. They were paying, you know, claims that insurance, I'm sorry, insurance uh, sort of like clauses that did not apply to their particular living. And that was between a range of 20 and $80. And this happened to 25 percent of online bill payers. So that's a huge number right there. Wow. So we saw these this two, this two sort of like base problems and we started thinking, okay, so what are the solutions out there? I mean, you have, you know, you have your bank and then you have your software solutions. But so it, it appears that you have to sort of like have a, a a structure, a complete sort of like three, like three different strategies in order to complete everything that you need to do with bill pay. Because a lot of people use, you know, an Excel spreadsheet, then they do paper check and they, checks and then they do auto pay right and also and also budgeting app right so it's sort of like this whole mess and at the time we say okay let's just make it as simple as you know i give a single payment to a person and they distribute that money they actually take care of me so they avoid late fees they avoid overdraft fees for me and they cost constantly me for savings and we started you know going at it going at it with that idea started iterating we, we completed an MVP. And, and the moment that we realized that we had something is whenever we, we convinced, I still remember the story. We convinced one of our first clients with a very, very poor interface and, you know, just two college kids to sign up and pay his bills. That's and awesome. He had no idea who we were and he trusted us and he's been our number one client ever since and. And it's been great, so that's that was sort of like the catalyst. Okay, if I can convince this one guy, I can convince March more of
0: Sure, no, I think that's awesome. So I'm kind of curious, so basically, how do I kind of go about um, getting started with you guys?
1: Definitely, uh, it's a very simple process. We, it's a three-star process. So okay. you go in and re- you register, you know, simple as, you know, your name, first name last name email that's it got gotcha. you good then then you have to select any and all services you want to add with one pay by adding online credentials so you can choose you know the energy so utilities you could use time Warner cable then go for your phone with t-mobile then add progressive insurance you can even have uh, add your apartment rent okay if you have an apartment and the list goes on and on you can even add loans and mortgages Uh, The only thing that we do not do at this moment is credit cards due to compliance reasons. But once you add all of those services, the system will validate those for you, authenticate them. Once they're authenticated, uh, the system creates a baseline basically for all of your bills. And let's say that you pay $500 for all of the bills that I mentioned according to your historical usage. So we have an algorithm that, that basically takes... Uh, your history with that service and uses variables such as, you know, outliers, seasonality, as well as trending, to find the base. Gotcha. We add those bases together, and we give you a single bill. You pay that bill at the beginning of the month, and then the system distributes the funds to your service providers and reports back to you. As simple as that. Very cool. So,
0: how do you guys monetize the platform?
1: So the service one of the cool things, it's uh, free service, of course. Okay. Yeah. We only charge whenever we find saving opportunities. We charge a percentage over the saving opportunities, uh, which aligns our mission perfectly with the user to find savings without the added effort. Sure. Right now, uh, and for a limited time, we're charging 10%. That is, That is is set to increase to 25 by the end of summer. Okay. But so the way that and that's for a period of about one year. So a quick example so, so we can wrap our head around it.
0: Sure.
1: So with the ten percent right now, let's say that we find fifty dollars in savings for you. So instead of paying your monthly one paid bill of two hundred dollars, you're gonna pay hundred and fifty five.
0: Gotcha. Right? So
1: you're say you're saving the fifty, but we're taking ten percent of that. So you're getting forty five and we're getting five. And that's for a period of twelve months. And gotcha. after twelve months you get a
0: I, and I think a lot of people, especially people that are busy, um, don't really have time to shop around or know that they could be getting a better deal, right? Like, you guys must see this all the time.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and it's very very interesting because when you, you have to put things in perspective, because you, you say $20, $40, $50 a month, eh, okay, yeah, who cares? But sure. let's, let's think about this. That's, you know, $50, that's almost... Like six hundred dollars that's, that's exactly six hundred dollars a year, sure that you are saving that's you know an apple watch right there that's a trip that's have a plane ride to paris, sure, so it's that impact that bottom line impact that you can, that you, that we are concentrating on, and what we realize is that if we can help people pay their bills, we can create that fundamental financial base, and people can start building on top of that by through good behaviors. So now they're saving, so they can actually make those savings something. Imagine the compound interest if you multiply those 600 over five years. Sure. So that's the impact. That could be $5,000 by three years. So it's those small changes that create that big impact that we're concentrating on.
0: No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I'm kind of curious to see, to talk a little bit maybe about some security and kind of what you guys offer on that side, because I think... Perfect. That's gotta be some hesitation from some of your users, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And 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 that's one of the, the, the departments that I lead. So it's I love talking about security. Sure. It's, it's fascinating for me and I think that it's it's not very well discussed in you know, the general consumer sort of like like stream uh, out there. Um, So I'll jump straight to it. At the beginning, we realized that two things were paramount. We had to make it easy to sign up, and we had to have security. Because security leads to trust. And if a consumer can't trust you with what you're doing and how you're handling their private information, then you're not going to have customers, and you're not going to succeed. So early on, we we decided to implement this mindset of security, and this mindset of always doing things with that in mind. Okay. So we've implemented uh, a lot of different practices around the office and, and policies before doing things that are that take this as sort of like a mantra. Quick example of that, we do thread penetration before writing a single line of code. So basically that's whiteboarding exactly how we work from a code base and see, okay, where are my vulnerabilities? Where can, you know information be compromised and how do we mitigate with that gotcha so by doing that you analyze everything and see okay here here and here and this is what we're going to do so you exactly know before going in how you're going to do that okay so that's how we deal with sort of like our code base and and iterating securely gotcha Um, on the other side we we have you know daily scans in terms of how our website is is, is is basically the status of it on a daily basis. So we know if there's been any type of, of entry in a log, any type of interest or weird type of request in the logs. and sure. So we can address those. Uh, on top of that, we have double Double hashed and salted passwords. And what that means is, and I, and I, can, and I can create a, an example from this with LinkedIn. Sure. So the LinkedIn hack that, that, you know, I think it happened in 2012, but recently got, um, to like attention by the media. The problem with that and why it was so easy for them to get those usernames and passwords was because they were only hashed, they weren't salted. So salt is basically a four alphanumeric, uh, four alphanumeric, you know, combination. That gets parsed into the hash, so that it creates a longer string of of characters. It's basically a password for the password before you. Right. But that's how you explain it. So we we double hash them. So we do this process twice before gotcha. it gets into our database. Our database is then siloed. So if you get a single database, you, that that information does not make sense. So long story short, we really do take. Any and all policies about how we store information, how we transfer information, how we deal with information, very securely. And one thing I do want to say is that we never store bank account information that's stored by a third party that deals with our processing. So that also creates an uh, sort of like an extra filter for that more most important information, which is bank account and, and credit cards. Sure.
0: No, I, I think that's awesome, and I, I think. I, I love how you guys are, are really open with that. You even have like a section on your on your site about that and how you guys kind of handle that, right? Where I think a lot of companies don't really put it up front like you guys do. And I, I, I really respect the fact that you guys do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the only way. Uh, you have to be transparent about how you're dealing with them to create that trust and cre- to create that that feeling that, hey, we're on your side with you to help you We're here to, to, to take care of you, not only with your bills, but, you know, respecting you with your information. Uh, so that's the only way.
0: No, I, yeah, I totally agree. So I'm kind of curious to know, um, maybe let's cover a little bit more of kind of, um, you know, the feature set and kind of maybe even if you want to mention anything that you guys are, are launching in the near future.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, there's a lot of exciting things happening on the background for for us, and and that it's it's been a, a lot of discovery and a lot of implementation, a lot of iterating uh, to consumer feedback. We we actually been been holding off on an update uh, because we were we were bait sort of like testing it, and and we wanted to make it absolutely beautiful for the user, but before I go into that, let, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about the hidden features that sort of like exist within the OnePay world. Sure. Because when when, when people think about OnePay, they think, okay, the name sort of like explains it out. It's a single payment and middle look for savings, great. So a little bit more. So by by creating this, this single payment behavior, not only are you taking care of your monthly bill responsibilities, you know, up front, but you're also budgeting intelligently because you know that's what's left for the rest of the month is discretionary spending. Gotcha. And you can actually decide when to use it and how do you see it. you want to save, you want to you know, go shopping, maybe go out for dinner. You can decide what to do with that. So you're never surprised by that bill that you forgot about and then you have no money to pay with. Mm-hmm. So you are organized. So that's that's one of the hidden benefits about what we do. The next is some bills do not allow for you to pay with a credit card. With OnePay, we make that possible.
0: Okay. And
1: it, and if you're intelligent about it, you can even use OnePay to get you know rewards points on your favorite credit card, and even comp- so, you can actually complete that other half of the part of the Paris flight that I was talking about. Right. Uh, so that's that's another cool one. And lastly, but not leastly, we have sort of like a savings feature called the piggy bank. So now you can put savings as an actual bill. So you can put money aside, you know, in a, on a goal or just for a rainy day and know that it's stored in an FDIC insured bank account, uh, the, bank, the bank that's partnered with us. Okay, interesting. And, and you can, you know, retrieve it anytime you want. But you know that that's being, you know, it's constantly growing. And the cool thing about that is we found that there's this behavior of, of you know, having your bank account and you have checking and savings. But it's super easy to just transfer, you know, money between those. And people have problems of like leaving their savings and not consuming it. So we sort of like hit the approach of you don't see it, you don't think about it, but it's still growing. Sure. And you you make it a behavior as well because you're paying it on a monthly basis, And now it becomes a behavior. So it's all it, it becomes and it boils down to all these like small different min, minuscule behavior changes that we're sort of like giving access to a customer that's going to help them improve their financial health. Um. So so that's what we're doing, and one thing that we're going to sort of like go about and release is is we're going to. Uh, create a, an open source APA, IPA I'm sorry so that other services out there can connect to our system and provide the one bill one payment one place service to their customers
0: oh that's that's actually very cool and and could be really useful for a lot of people so I'm curious though how did you guys go about integrating with kind of these huge kind of organizations did, did a lot of them have kind of APIs and whatnot that you could integrate with, or did you have to contact them or a, a little of both? Because that's got to well, be daunting for
1: some people, right? It's, it's a, uh, it was a very interesting undertaking I and mean, it was about finding what was the best approach because of course these are big companies and of course sure. they have a, uh, you know, APIs, but most of them limit their API calls and, or do not give those APIs to anyone. They're not open source. Sure. So we found ourselves with a problem like okay so how do we approach this? Well, there are some several. there are several companies out there like Yodlee and Plaid and, and and you name it that help you connect with a service provider sort of like an aggregator of service providers. Right. But that doesn't work either because they you know, for a startup that you know started as a bootstrap, bootstrap startup, that's something that we can't afford. Sure. So we had to build a way to connect with service providers that was efficient, replicable, and standardized.
0: Gotcha. So
1: th- that's how we went about it, and 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 it's been it's been fun getting to to see that come to life because it's it's been hasn't been easy, but. But yeah, I mean I'm happy to say that we are able to connect with over 300 service providers out there at this wow. moment and,
0: that's.
1: awesome. And that we're constantly adding more as requested by the user. so it's 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 fun and you know I, I, I know that it'll continue to be exciting.
0: Sure. well, I, I assume too that um, once you go to once you contact some of these places and you say, you know, I have this demand to access your data for my service, and you, ha- and if you can almost g- generate them more business, they got to be open to kind of collaborating with you as well, right? Or put you in touch with a person you need to collaborate with, or their devs, or or whatnot. Correct?
1: Yeah, I would think so. It's uh, it's very interesting because we've had conversations with people that that have dealt with them before, and they have certain they have certain thresholds that they respect and they abide by. Okay, but uh to create that sort of synergy is will be definitely another undertaking in itself because it's a lot of service providers a lot of different contracts a lot of different negotiations that need to take into consideration so something that that will happen down the line but something that we will have to sort of like weigh in the balance because if we already have a way to do this uh you know efficiently uh then we have to to see, hey, what's the cost benefit of doing this, right?
0: Sure, that makes a lot of sense for you guys. So, you kind of mentioned you guys were bootstrapped. Um, are you guys still kind of bootstrapping? Did you guys end up kind of raising some money, or or kind of
1: how? Are you no, guys yeah, we funding raised money. Okay. Yeah, we were originally bootstrapped, uh, you know, and that was back when we were in college, and, and we started of like branching out from that. And after the Stanford, after the Stanford uh, fellowship, we were able to secure, a, a, you know, a seed investment that that has keep that has that helped us grow our team, beautify our product, and get this UX and UI that we truly wanted because. That was one of the issues before is, okay, we're bootstrapped. We have to, we sort of like have to make tough tough choices about, okay, what do I do? Do I, you know, go back and, you know, take two months building this beautiful UX or do I go by and get customers now? So we sort of like took that moment to say, okay, now we can do the UX we want and now we can create the experience, the ideal experience that we want to get to our customers. Sure. So that's that's what we did, of course, hired a lot uh, you know, more people in, and you use those dollars to get marketing in, in the door as well, which has been incredibly important.
0: Sure. So I, I think you bring up an interesting point there, though, because I, I think a lot of people forget or, or don't realize, like, especially when you're in your early days, you are making trade-offs on certain things, right? And, and, and I think some people always think that it needs to be, like, perfect in their eyes before they launch, And it sounds like you guys obviously launched when you were like, you know, obviously like had a version of a product that you guys could ship. But, you know, you still weren't 100 percent happy and you were still kind of iterating and and making choices on like, okay, well, we'll fix this down the road or maybe we'll fix this now. Like you, you kind of it's like a constant kind of, you know, juggling a little bit to decide what where you're going to take this thing. Right. And I think that's important to mention to people listening.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a balancing act. Sure. And one thing that we realized and, and that we have very present is that it's never going to be perfect. You, you can't go by perfect. You can't, sure. uh, you know, sort of stop yourself from releasing everything by saying, Oh, but it's not good enough. Oh, it's not the way I want it to be. It's It's never going to get there because we all want, you know, better. It's always about better. So with that in mind, we just have to make it good enough by, sure when we need it by. So we started releasing early early versions of what we were doing with you know with a, with beta testers first and then iterated from there because sometimes you're so in the weeds, you're so focused on your product and you're so close to it that you don't that you're blinded by it. That sure. you you forget to see things that other people notice and you forget to see it from your customers' eyes. So having those people in and just opening the doors to them creates a huge learning curve. and gives you sort of like a compass. So you can know exactly where to build because you're not building, because if you get a compass, you're not building just for the sake of building you're building with a purpose. Mm-hmm. So I believe that it's not about being perfect. It's about creating something that's, that's good enough. And that's great. Sure. And that will help you get to the next good enough and the next good enough. And it'll continue to be that way uh, because the customer is is ultimately and it's his, his or her feedback is what's going to help you get to that point.
0: Sure. No, I, I think that's really good advice. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of forget about that, right? And they, they struggle with like getting it perfect and they never launch, right? And then... It just goes nowhere, but I, I think that's that's really good advice. Is th- is there anything else that you kind of get asked or or tell people kind of all the time, you know, that you've either learned not to do or things that you recommend to people to do when they're doing their own kind of startup?
1: Yeah, and and it's it's very interesting because sometimes we get um. Uh, you know, questions about our stack, about sort of like the technological side. Okay, and that's always a hard question because there's no, there's no definite answer to in what language to build or what stack to use whenever you're building because it depends on what you're using and what type and what you're going to use the service for. So that's that's always a hard question to answer. But I always I always I always say that, that. If someone is thinking about what stack to use, they should go back in and and grab not not only their competitors but you know similar services and you know start digging there are a lot of tools out there that tell you you know what what type of stack was used to build you know certain sure. products
0: even like browser and, add-ons too right
1: yeah, built with is one is a, it's a Chrome plugin that I yeah. use sometimes to to find those types of information you can find hosting you can find you know the stack. What types of services are right on top of that? So you can use that and compare that and then and then understand, okay, why are they using this? Okay, are they using PHP because it, it's easier to scale? You know, there's a, a wide library of people that have been using this type of services. It makes more sense. you're doing an API, maybe Ruby yeah. is, is a better idea. Sure. Python is very flexible, very standardized in terms of, of its language and very well is very flexible too, so it's about your particular situation from the technological side.
0: Sure. On the
1: other side is, you know, measuring. You know, most of the people that that start a company nowadays are are first time founders, and I, and I and I put myself in that bucket as well. And it's it's hard for first time founders to sort of like decide where to to focus first and how to measure. And those are two things that I learned early on that were very important. If you can't measure. And if you can't focus, then you're gonna sort of like be running in circles.
0: Sure, I think that's so really good
1: advice. If, yeah, because you need to establish, you know, how, when, and what you're gonna measure, and be very, very, very accountable with it. Hold people accountable to it. Say, okay, you, this is what you know. We're gonna measure. I don't know downloads. You know, how many downloads do we get in a day? How many downloads do we get in a month? How many downloads do we get in you know a quarter? That way you can compare what you are doing and see the effect it has on your actual product. So that's very important. That's number one. And number two is focus and focus comes not only by understanding where you're going to, but by how you're doing so sure. So early on. And one of the things that, that we we've been learning a lot you know, over this past six months is about organizing our days we basically decided to take a more proactive approach in terms of how we approach our weeks, how we approach our individual tasks and our roles. Interesting. So I adapted, you know, theme days. Okay. And, and this is sort of like, this is a bit of a steal from Jack Dorsey from Twitter. And, and the, the way that those work is basically, okay, so Mondays, you know, I do, you know, my numbers, I check, you know, the reports that I get, the KPIs, so I do analysis, I do so projections, I find all those stuff. And then, uh, you know, Tuesday is, you know, investor reach out and talking to them, seeing, you know, talking with the board members and, you know, outreach for new investors. And then, and sort of like the, the themes go on and on. Thursdays are my meeting days. I, I'm completely out in the field all day and we're taking meetings, talking to people, coffees, et cetera, et cetera. So by being focused on what you do, you know exactly what's next. You're sort of like a whale oil machine that that's continuously going and, and pushing towards a goal. Uh, and another great advice is email. Email is just a horrible way to, to to kick you off, sort of like your groove, and to distract you. And there's there's been studies that every time you know a message or a, an email or a text comes in, it takes twenty three minutes. For you to go back to concentrating to sure. full concentration, so that's uh, so about 30 minutes of your life that you're losing every time you you're distracted with an email, with a text, or with a with a Slack message. So it's about knowing how to shut those off. So I I, I view my emails three times a day. Okay, you no, know, morning, morning, noon, and before I, I get out of the office. If okay. something is burning, someone's gonna call me. So sure. that's, that's how I approach things. And you know acts like that to to help you sort of like kick things off and understand the process between the offices there's there's a, a ton more that we've been adopted, but this it, sort of like this is the 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 mantra and the sort of like the underlying thought is organize and theme your days
0: no i I think that's really good advice and and I think you know you you almost have to do that and Maybe you can't necessarily, for everybody, can't just necessarily just take different days of the week to do specific things. But I think your point about email is very valid, at least to me. And like, I recently turned off my email notifications on my phone. And just so, like, I'm not constantly getting email notifications just when I'm out and about or even throughout the day, like, I have it open in the browser. So I'm a little bit more. Um, I'm kind of more in the middle of what you're doing where you only check it a few times a day, but I find in the evenings and weekends when, you know, the email is still syncing in the background, and just not getting notified, then I can choose when I check it throughout the day. And maybe it is like, especially on the weekend, I only maybe check it once or twice in a day. Um, If at all, sometimes I try to take like Saturday off. And I think just having, turning off the notifications of things that you find kind of the most annoying. Like I deleted most of my social network stuff off my phone just so I'm not constantly getting notifications. And I think having just turning certain things off that you find kind of distracting, like you mentioned can save you a ton of time and almost like save you from kind of getting burnt out a bit.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because you're, you're in reactive mode. entirely, totally. So it's, 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 it's great. I mean it, it has made a huge difference in, 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 in my productiveness and how I approach my day. so sure
0: no I, I love I when highly I, recommend it. Sure and I, I love when people kind of share share those kind of tips and advice and, and things that work for for them, right And hopefully you know other people try that kind of stuff too or even one or two of those things and it saves them some grief and and they can kind of check out a little bit here and there. Um, but we're kind of coming to the end of the show. Do you want to maybe end off um, with mentioning where people can find you guys online and any other social links you want to mention?
1: Of course, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, to get registered with OnePay or to learn more about it, you can just go to JustOnePay.com. dot com and that's j u s t o n e p a y dot com any concerns any email and any comments or any questions that they might have particular for me. My personal email is Jesus at just one Um, I, I have a very sort of like open door policy where, you know, I, I, I answer every email that comes through, uh, because I, I feel that, that I would love, I, I would like that. So it's sort of like a golden standard rule. I'm following that. Um, And, you know, social media at justonepay.com and you can find us in Facebook as well as justonepay.com. So any comments or questions, please, you know, use social media. My personal Twitter is uh, J-L-O-P-E-Z-L-O-C. So follow me and, you know, stay updated on, on not only what we're doing, but we're constantly posting about financial literacy you know tips and tricks about how to improve your financial life besides you know using one pay. so interesting you know how 401k works how to budget how to you know pay a debt. which one should you choose first you know you can go to a newsletter and get that type of quality information from there so so check it out
0: perfect man i love it thanks again for taking time out of your busy day to be on the show i look forward to keeping in touch with you and kind of following you guys throughout the rest of the year and beyond
1: definitely no thank you for having us and and i'll talk to you later
0: sounds great man all right have a good one bye bye Okay, bye. thanks for listening the music for the show is done by electric mantra you can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep going for the future